this new thing on Instagram what? of people who have uh, really bad ingrown hairs under their armpits. And is this your new thing now? Solid 30 minutes of watching a woman take ingrown hairs out of a woman's armpit. No. My mum has really bad uh, suffers with like ingrown hairs in her armpits. Really? Yeah, like she can't shave. She gets like abscesses and stuff. Ooh, yeah, this woman had an abscess. Yeah. Now, I didn't watch that as I was like, that's too much. Because see, I can watch things being popped, but when blood is, I can't. It's the blood that freaks me out, but I can watch like... I always think that I can't eat them because of it. I think I've said this to you before. What? Those muller rice with strawberry in it. Yeah, I know. That absolutely looks like, be like <laughs> It looks like someone went... Yeah, oh no. No, stop! <laughs> stop it! Do your uh, formal in- uh, intro. No, you told me I wasn't... No, go on, I want to hear it. I'm going to sit back, go. Say... Three, two... No, no. Five, four... Okay, wait. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say welcome to this week's episode of Murder Most Irish number 81. Uh, my name's Sarah Jane. Oh no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm immediately not doing this. You know, I like... It's way too formal. It's not us. But you know when you listen to that, like even when you're saying maintenance, maintenance phase, they, they do, do an a, intro. so good at and it. And then they're like, and if you want to support us, you can go to our Patreon. And if you don't want to support us, that's cool. Just and stay, just stick like, around. Everyone's pissing. Like, so uncomfortable about asking you for support. <laughs> but yet you're listening to don't our podcast. Don't support us. How dare you support like, us. It's, yeah, no, we're terrible. <laughs> Every this week I've been listening to maintenance phase and then I was listening to to this other podcast I was trying to find that fucking therapist one that you oh, spoke fuck. about ages ago I'll find ago. it I'll find it for you it's definitely it's now a, that I've said it somebody's gonna ch- like text uh, us. I'll have a look at it on my, um, on my phone I definitely have it there somewhere you're you're wrong about you're, oh I love you're wrong about yeah it's yeah. really good it's I like podcast. the girl that um, I should have told you about that ages ago actually I remember I was listening to it I was like Sarah Jane yeah I really like, like that um, I'd be, I'd just fucking like when I say <coughs> excuse me fucking ramming maintenance phase down my throat great, I can't get it? enough of it it's great those two are so, like so good Michael is so incredible at researching things yeah they, like I don't understand how they get an episode out every week lads proper journalists like proper journalists I just don't understand how and then he... I think when I was listening to before Christmas they had done like two episodes in one day and I was like how like we can do two episodes in one day because bullshit but like how do they do like but they're I, so they don't do anything else do they well like she's a writer and he's a journalist he actually is a journalist so they do have like they have jobs mm. but um yeah no they're so well researched they're so well written they're so in depth um and so honest and also they bring in like the kind of it's not just like journalism they bring in the human element of stuff that's happened to them as well do you know what I mean that yeah and I just think like it's such do you know what if you've ever like suffered with any form of like not even fucking image problems at your weight or like concerns it's just like body image overall yeah or like even like even the whole uh what's the guy that was the last the two is new, two new. Jordan steps. Peterson. The Jordan Peterson one. For me, the Jordan Peterson one wasn't even about the fact that he done his diet. It was like trying to understand and put together why this guy is so bad for you. It's so bad for you. Like, like I get massive uh, alarm bells of sociopath off that man. Yeah, and I you said something to me a little <clears throat> while ago, and it was just like such a good saying. You said anybody whose benefits or opinions only make things better for themselves yeah. 
are not worth like no. they're not giving you they're not helping you no but that's how that's why billionaires are billionaires because everything they do benefits them yeah other people below, below them or beneath them will suffer and that's how they climb and he's very like that but the Jordan Peterson episodes are very very interesting and very good and I would the Oprah any, episodes are fucking yeah, insane any, any men that listen to this podcast because uh, there are men that listen to this podcast that are like Jordan Peterson fanboys or whatever please go listen to the two episodes about him on the maintenance Faze podcast and maybe or even if you don't like Jordan Peterson but you're one of those people who are like do you know what I just don't like you but I don't know enough about you yes, and then when people there. have that argument with you and you're like oh fuck yeah like it actually gives you so much ammunition when I was listening to the two episodes I was like oh, I have so much great ammunition <laughs> I can fight with people um, I actually have so bad because like I don't want to give that guy any money so I don't want to fucking watch any of his no, videos no I refuse to watch anything he does um, anything I've learned from Jordan Peterson has just been from reading articles about him or yeah. and you know people the worst thing about it is the same thing with Trump I won't go into this but it's the same thing with Trump that you know right right wing people say or people who are trying to explain why Trump is, is popular and the same with Peterson not comparing them but you know what I mean where they say people hate them so much that there's almost a an uprising against that where it's like the right's like well you hate them so much I'm just gonna like them oh yeah because that's gonna piss you off yeah and that's an awful lot of what is popular especially with Joe Rogan and all these all these comedians coming out and supporting Joe Rogan as well. Fuck every single one of you. Um, Who came out and supported? Oh my God. Nearly everyone. Like, <laughs> so funny. Mark Maron was the only one that was like, whatever, I don't give a fuck about that guy because I don't think he's funny. Um, Like all the like, Whitney, what's that girl? Whitney. Whitney fucking what, coming. Yeah, she came out and was like, wrote this fucking tweet. Honest to God, when I tell you, I wanted to throw up in my mouth. She was like, comedians aren't here to just tell you. Oh, I fucking read this. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Joe Rogan is a walking testicle. Give it up, Whitney. Like, fuck me. But yeah, like. Also, his podcast is not a comedy podcast. No, not at all. Like this whole thing. He's a failed comedian. This whole switch of like, because I had this argument with someone at work where they were like, but it's comedy. And I was like, no, under no circumstances in it. It's not comedy And actually what's happening now is he's being called out for his bullshit. And you idiots are all like, oh, yeah, no, it's funny. It's it was funny. just funny. It's, it's like, funny. no, there, at his, no point was he is selling this podcast no. as like a comedy podcast. And like I was listening to, I stopped listening to P. Holmes' podcast and this is awful, but the reason I stopped listening to P. Holmes' podcast is all of his friends are so terrible that I'm like, somewhere deep down, if you were friends with all of these terrible people, yeah. you're a terrible person because you're keeping these people in a circle. But he had a guest on, this was a while ago, and the guest, the guest was a fellow comic, like, and he was, they were talking about something and he just went, yeah, like fucking um, Joe Rogan, fucking snake oil salesman. And you could see here Pete Holmes getting immediately uncomfortable because Pete Holmes knows him and listens to his podcast and like listens to him and blah, blah. And the guy was like, he's a fucking liar, Pete. Like he is literally ruining people's lives for the benefit of his, of himself. And Pete Holmes was like, well, I don't know. But I'm like, you, if you, if you were surrounding yourself with awful human beings somewhere along the line you're an awful human being yeah. like it has to be like he's friends with Thomas Shoreditch that guy <gasps> and all those people so I was just like you know what P. Holmes no and he's also really into this idea of like uh, alpha males and stuff and he says things and I'm P. like Holmes like not like super Christian he was he's not anymore but he's really into like alpha male stuff and sometimes he talks about he, in his earlier episodes he would talk about the porn that he watched and he's married now like and has a kid and he was like oh the porn that I watch I love watching porn where women are getting like hurt and like degraded and he's like I think that's totally normal because as a man I was like what? and as I got further into the podcast I was like bro I you can't ju-. and his wife is like a feminist 
And if my boyfriend turned around to me and said, I only watch porn where women get hurt and degraded, I'd be like, well, have fun with your hand. Yeah. For the next 20 years of your life because that's fucked. There's kink and then there's misogyny. Yeah, like... And you can't separate those two things. If the only way you're getting your rocks off is by watching women being beaten... There's something wrong with you. Yeah, and then to me, like, like, I want to see them be degraded. Degraded is like, I love watching them be degraded. And That's I'm a like, really harsh word. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I'm not to yuck anyone's yum, but we have to, with regards to kink as well, you have to take a step back and go, okay, is it a kink or is it abuse? Oh, because but there's definitely where, like... There's a line. But there's, like, years, like, uh, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of that thing of, like, this, like, with, like most romantic comedies... Yeah. Are a revolved around toxic relationship yeah, norms. Like I have last week, I was feeling really depressed, so I was oh. like, "No, I'm fine. I just was getting my period, and uh, wasn't real. Like I knew it was. I it's early, but I was like mentally just not in the best place, and I was just exhausted. And when Sarah gets depressed, we all know that she goes and reaches for the like <laughs> terrible TV. And I was like, I was like, I just want something on the background that I don't have to. Yeah. So I put that show Scandal on. Scandal, scandal, scandal. Which is the like one with uh, Olivia. Oh, with the president thing? Yeah, and the president. Yes. That entire show is garbage. But that entire show is the complete. Like, when now that I'm watching it, I was like, you people are all terrible. And also, this standard of a relationship is so toxic. Yeah. And like, not good for your mental yeah, health. Yeah, yeah. But somehow. Like I'm sitting here People are sitting here Being like that's so romantic Like that's not romantic And that's not romance And like most Most Romantic movies Like rom-coms Or whatever you want to call them Are based around These really toxic principles 100% Where it's like Women are almost like Women almost need to Like they they, In those romantic comedies It's like I want him to like do everything for me and control me and be obsessed with me and want to so only weird. be with me and nobody else and I want to, like even that Fifty Shades of Grey shit yeah. I'm like this like, even without all of the kink stuff yeah. that's going on this guy's a fucking psychopath yeah. and in no point at no point when I was watching this movie was I like oh it's so romantic I never watched it or I haven't read any of the books but I do remember being in the job that me and you used to work in together and everybody was obsessed with it people were reading it at their desks yeah. and I was like isn't this porn it's a literal porn <laughs> And I I do think that like Fifty Shades of Grey was like in terms of like it being a cultural movement of women being like I'm taking my sexuality back and we're going to openly see women read this on the bus and be like Mm -hmm. yeah we're sexual beings I don't think that was a bad thing for like say the zeitgeist of that time but it should have been a better book however (laughs) should have been a better book yeah should have been a fucking much better book and also can we talk about not even just the like there's BDSM in that and then in the book there's much worse BDSM um that hot like that thing of like and then he showed up out of nowhere and he knew exactly where I was yeah stalking's not like, stalking's what? not nice what stalking is not cute like, don't don't be stalked it's like the drama of all of this and it's that thing where you're like if you're teenage girl and you're watching this nonsense it's like oh my life like for me to feel real love and romance I have to be surrounded by this fucking drama but like as well I always say this because I problematic I love John Hughes movies I love John Hughes yeah. movies John Hughes movies are my go to when I'm on a Saturday when I'm not feeling great I put on a John Hughes movies I am fully aware that the tropes in John Hughes movies are deeply fucked up yeah like all of them every one of them especially 16 Candles that movie's fucked like 
pretty in pink where Ducky is like obsessed with Andy yeah and in madly in love with her and she's like no I'm not interested in you and then she ends up with this fucking dickhead who doesn't think she's good enough because she doesn't have enough money and blah 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 so you know so it is that thing where luckily I did not internalise that but, but there but I could have I could have very easily done that and there's a lot of things that women nowadays and not even nowadays for the longest time put up with except because they think we've just been like oh that's what it is yeah that's, that's what a relationship is I'm meant to chase after I'm meant to men are men are meant to do the bare minimum and then I'm meant to congratulate them yeah. when they do one thing like I just when I was watching it, I was like this is like and it, like it, it's true for all entertainment right so if I think of like the L word which is a show about like lesbians, lesbians. and I used to watch it all the Yuck time the lesbians. that had that like bit that like those four like main characters and like one of them was like really problematic and like obsessive and like really controlling and it was the same for uh what was the one charlie hunnam was in it and it was like the big one that came out in child four four you know the one the like gay drama queer as folk queer as folk Mm -hmm. again super problematic yeah but there's this thing of like where it's like to be in a relationship and to be intensely in love when you're shown it in an entertainment spot, it's like, oh, this is like so romantic. Yeah. And it's like, that's not romance. No. That's not love. That's not love. Like someone being that obsessed with you. Yeah, no, that, that You being that obsessed with anybody. No. You like. Take a step back. Take a step back. Someone wanted to know where you are at all times. Like this need of being like, why are you with him? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, no, it's, it's just. And I guess maybe <sighs> because I've never done that. And I haven't. I've never done that. I've never behaved like that. It's not the way I am as a person. I'm very emotionally, um distant so I'm not like that as a person I don't get obsessed and I don't get like that like I don't um that was fine for me but I know that there are people that have watched that shit and been like yeah that's normal yeah that, that's how I should act and because I'm acting like that and that's completely that's really fucking awful yeah like, everybody go to therapy everybody go to therapy everybody go to therapy uh Tell so me your Batman story oh yeah so me and Graham went to see this is that three go- hours long yeah me and Graham went to see Batman yesterday. Me and Graham went on the Mitch. <gasps> oh, I'm so jealous. We did like a little sneaky half day. So we were walking into, there's two stories about man, Batman. First story is we went on the hop and then no one really knew where we were except for each other and we were together. <laughs> and I said to Graham when we were walking into the cinema, I said, do you know if this like blows up or goes on fire? No one's going to know we're here. Yeah, and Lee's going to be like, where are my parents? And then they're going to be like, they weren't even supposed to be there. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. And Graham was like, do you think about stuff like that when you're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing? And I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like, all the time. Yeah. Like before I got on the plane the other day, uh, the evening before there was uh, God, those poor people in China the I plane know. crashed did you see that there was meant to be 133 people on it and one guy cancelled f- his flight the day before <gasps> it was 132 he cancelled it that is insane how do you live your life knowing that you I, should that's like, insane were... isn't that madness um, anyway tell me a story I'm very sorry right so that was like the first story then we were in the car driving to Batman yeah and I don't even remember what we were saying, but he said something to me about, um, oh, there's not going to be enough, like, dirt, like, filthy, like, sex in this. And I was like, huh? What? Now, I did say to him, I was like, if if they don't write in this movie, I'm leaving. (laughs) Right? And he was like, yeah, I don't think there's going to be any of that. I'm sorry it won't, um, he said something like, I'm sorry it won't live up to the fantasy that you've been, like, looking at online. (laughs) And I was like, What? I was driving a car and I was like, sorry, what? And he was like, the other day I was, two of us were in bed and yeah. he was like, and I looked over and there was like this image on your phone of like Batman and Catwoman and Batman was like going down on Catwoman. 
And I was like, what? And then he was like, yeah, I was like reading my Kindle and it was like late and you were just like on your phone. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, Grim, do you think I was looking at like Batman and Catwoman porn on my phone while you were lying beside me? And he was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you'd be doing. But I was like, oh my God. And I was like, like out loud. And he was like, no. And I was like, what? Did he was like, I just looked the other way then. And I was like, do you think I was just lying in bed? And then I was like, what was this image? I was like, was it like real people? And he was like, no, it was drawn. And I was like, Graham, do you think I was looking at fucking drawn pornography <laughs> of like Batman and Catwoman? And he was like, minutes I would just cut not stop laughing I was like what do you think of me what do you think of- were you just scrolling Instagram and something came I was up on something? Instagram obviously and I must have gone through like my discovery feed and something popped up and it obviously like must be must be looking at Batman I've no idea I don't even remember the image oh my god and I, was I like, love that he held on to that he's like, like you were looking at drawing porn drawing oh. porn I was like <laughs> I was like Graham I just went to him you're so old you don't even know how Instagram works like what oh bless he doesn't have Instagram no he doesn't have Instagram oh okay and I was like have you just been for like uh, weeks thinking that I'm looking at Batman and Catwoman porn holding the thing I was like what and he was like yeah I was like what I was like why would I be lying in bed at any point to look at a porn Literally, like with you beside me. Am I being really loud? Sorry. No, no, it's not you. It's just I turned it up to you. Um, um, what the fuck? Yeah. Ramo, God bless you. God bless you and keep you. I laughed ready. honestly for like 15 minutes driving to the cinema. I was like, you are. <laughs> I was like, God bless you because, like, also, like, how sweet are you that you just let me have my little, like, nasty kink in the bed beside you? Moment, but he held on to it. Yeah, and then <laughs> at, when, at the end of the film, like, he was like, uh, so, and I was like, two thumbs down, no sex. Wasn't I good? Well, I'm never going to watch it. Yeah, but I people do. that listen to this might. I know, but I do um, like Yeah, it is good. It is a good version. It is very, a good version of Batman. Answer me this question. Yeah. How many more Batman movies do we need well, as a society? Another, yeah, no, we don't need any more. And yeah, like, I don't know if, I was saying this today to somebody else that's seen it. I was like, I find it really difficult. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or whatever it is, or it's just me because I've always been this way. I find it really difficult to suspend logic and reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's this one scene in this movie where like he like is flying and hits bridge, like just physically <laughs> and <laughs> like then gets up. And I was like, he, I, dead. Just, I went to Graham. Dead. He should be dead. Dead. Um, because he doesn't have super human strength. No. And so the other thing I said that really like bothers me. Got, like his little suit or whatever. Just really bothers me about this movie is Batman is like really frail and skinny. Oh, when he does, when he's not in his bat suit. Why is he frail and skinny? He just looks quite sickly. Like he's incredibly pale. Like he looks really tired. He's got on throughout all of the movie. He's got the black eyeliner on. It well, he doesn't. What he has is like because he puts that black shit on his face when he's been Batman. Yeah. And then obviously, I think the whole point either it's supposed to be a black eye or it's supposed to be the makeup just he isn't getting it off fully. I think it's supposed to show how like nothing else in his life matters and he's like only focused on this one thing I saw really so his like personal appearance is quite like oh, he's so really dishevelled he's depressed he's a depressed bat lad. yeah he's super depressed I saw a really funny video on Instagram the other day he's and it was proper like, emo he's got the worst haircut I've ever seen this yeah uh, he's got girl. this like uh, do you remember the lead remember uh, Dave Navarro brought out an album 
Yeah. Remember the front cover of Dave Navarro's album was just a side of his yeah, head? Yeah, yeah, With that like reamy slicked like long hair. <laughs> yeah, that's that. fucking Robert Pattinson's hair for this entire movie. <laughs> I saw movie. it on Instagram the other day. It was actually very funny where the girl was like um, when Batman gets called by the bat signal and she just runs into the bathroom and gets an eyeliner and is doing yeah. this very... <laughs> no, he just like is, puts this on. It made me laugh. Um, it's um, super, super violent. Oh, okay. And, and I don't know how they got around the rating because it's incredibly violent What's but there's the no blood. Uh, I think it's like 15 it's 15s for the bat fan the, the bat fans the I don't even know what this bat. movie's called um, I had something to talk about that I was angry about and I can't remember what it was now um, oh yeah apologies trigger, massive trigger warnings uh, to the policeman in England who strip searched a 13 year old girl uh, did you hear about this? No. So a teacher in a school in England convinced himself that a 13-year-old black student, female, female, 12, I think she was 13 or 15, I apologise if I got her age wrong, regardless of her age, uh, black student, he was convinced she had drugs on her. Sorry? Even though she did not have drugs on her and he searched her locker and her bag and try, oh, I think tried to search her and she was like, no. So he called the police. They brought her to the police station and strip searched her while she was on her period. What? And thought that this was fully acceptable to do to a child who A, did not actually have any drugs on her and B, was lit- a literal child with her period, probably now beyond traumatised. And no parent present? No parent present, Nothing. Um, and was racially profiled and the only reason this happened is because she's black um, I hope everyone gets fired this teacher has been fired I want that policeman fired I want anybody in that fucking Why area that thought what? this what? anybody in that area that thought that this that they when they saw a, teach, a policeman marching in a 13 year old child to fucking strip search her I want them all fired so the Met had to come out and issue an apology for what they've done. The usual bullshit with the Met. There's, there's, it's only some bad apples. There's not everybody in the Met is the same. But that happened, and the woman, the man who raped and murdered Sarah Everard was also now charged with two other um, cases of sexual assault and pe- being a peeping tom. Fuck. That they knew about what, but didn't do anything about until the women actually came forward and were like, "We want him done for this as well." <gasps> so fuck the mess, fuck the mess, fuck that teacher, fuck that school, fuck anybody that stood by and watched. I was incensed when I read it yesterday. I was like, if that was a white student, this would not have happened. He was convinced she was like selling pot. Sorry, she's 13 years old and he strip searched her while she was on her period. Yeah. So I was incensed by that yesterday. I literally was like, I'm going to fucking... If I, I hope their parents went down, her parents went down and just ran amok. Like, how? Imagine going home and telling your parents that happened to you. Imagine Lily came home, but like a policeman came into the school and strip searched me. I'm 13. I'd be, I'd be arrested for murder. I would literally be arrested for murder. Oh, and the entire police station be on fire. Yeah, like, I just hope everybody gets fired and that poor girl and her family, like, I can't. That's awful. Horrific. Fuck the Met. They're just as bad as the fucking guard. Are they suing? Oh, they better sue. I'd say they're going to sue everyone. The fact that the Met had to come out and apologise and be like, we fucked up. Sue the shit out of them. Sue the fuck out of them. terrible, terrible Yeah, and they're also arguing, they're doing, they're going to court now, the Met Police are going to court to say that they behaved correctly. Remember when Sarah Everard died and there was the, um, 
people went and did a vigil for her yeah. and they were all arrested. Yeah. They're coming, they're gone to court now to say that they cr- behaved correctly in the whole situation and they did what they had to do. You were literally putting women in chokeholds on the ground who were just saying, maybe stop murdering women. Yeah. Maybe you're one of yours and they're, they're, they're trying to act like it was nothing to do with the fact that it was one of one of the Met. That's clearly why you reacted like that. Anyway, fuck the Met. So that was... Fuck p Oh my God, what the... Dude, fuck piano. Please, please, I'm begging everyone to boycott those motherfuckers. Like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. What the fuck are they doing? Like. And they thought that this was just going to go smoothly and nobody was going to say anything. Like. And also, don't be racist because it's not the fault of the staff that they're trying to hire who are obviously going to be desperately underpaid and need jobs. Yeah, they're agency staff. So please don't be they racist. They want to fill the boat. They want to fill them with agency staff. Just please don't be racist towards those people because I've seen people being racist now and I'm like, stop. That's oh, and they're like, they're coming here to well, take our jobs? Like, no, stop. No. This is P&O's problem. That yeah. is it. It's no one else except P&O's problem. Because immediately the fucking race mongers came out. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, uh, P&O or piece of shit. Yeah. Did you see that video where yeah. you fire, like, fired them over fucking... Over Zoom? <laughs> like, I was like, off the boat you get. I... And we've got a security team that no one seems to have noticed. With the balaclavas yeah. on. A private security team that we've hired. Who are those people who hired, like, those oh, people that do that job for a living. Just the worst type of people. Like, if honestly... Honestly. Just the whenever because they do that as well when they um you know they're trying to evict people yeah they send those fuckers in as well yeah um P and O fuck P and O fuck the Met fuck everything uh that was my incensed rage from yesterday also this story is going to make me re- you very angry and me very angry so just I'm sorry in advance um housekeeping housekeeping uh, housekeeping yeah. <laughs> Colin wanted <laughs> Colin was going for a walk today with his French friend from the Louvre. And a lady with curly hair started shouting, Colin, Colin. And he just wanted to say hello. Uh, and what did she say? Murder most Irish? She Colin? was like, Colin, Colin. And Colin was like, oh. And then, so apology. He said, wanted to say sorry and hello to you. He was just a little bit, didn't know what was happening. So hello to curly haired girl. Also, hello to Claire, who I met in the air. What? Did I tell you this? No. <sighs> Isn't the airport last week going to Edinburgh? Did someone recognize yes, you? Yes, and Claire, I'm very sorry. What? <laughs> so I was going to Edinburgh and I was standing in the queue getting tea. I'm going to cry in Starbucks. Not tea. Um, not butlers. Starbucks. No, butlers. I was getting tea and butlers. And um, I was ordering and this girl behind me went, sorry, is your name Emma? And I was like, yeah. And then immediately I went, I don't know who you are. Fuck. fuck. You know, that kind of panic where you're yeah. like. And she was like, oh, I, I listened to your podcast, Murder Most Irish. And I was like, like Sarah, when I said my face went like, <laughs> I was burning. She knew right well because she was her boyfriend and she was chatting to me and she actually said the funniest thing. She was like, I thought it might have been you and then I saw your hair and I just heard Sarah going, you yellow haired bitch. And she was like, that's definitely her. Um, She was very lovely. I'm very awkward. I apologise. Your poor boyfriend was like, who the fuck is this and why are you talking to her? Thank you for offering to buy my tea. She was, Claire, you're so lovely. Thank you. I apologise for being very awkward. I did, like, my hands were shit. I'm so bad. Like, I don't know how to deal with things like that. But just thank you for being so lovely. I would snap uh, the tea out of your hands. Thank you for listening. And sorry to your boyfriend who was like, what the fuck? What is this nonsense? Where was Claire going on holidays? Uh, Portugal. <gasps> very nice. Yes. So I hope, you're, I hope you're having a lovely time in Portugal, Claire. And once again, I apologise for being very awkward and weird and strange. Um, so Patreon this week. <laughs> 
What if we got on We're in the Patreon? The, just the drive. Just <laughs> you're getting another episode of the drive. I'm going to have a story for next week, so it'll be a bit different. Uh, what do you mean you're getting another episode of the drive? Drive's my favorite thing. <laughs> it's been four weeks in a row. Yeah, and? Um, so you're getting an episode of the drive. Um, Colin told me to tell you that the episode from next week. We back to the normal structure with our introduction and all that stuff. So yeah, thank you to everybody just to let you know. Colin is starting a YouTube channel for us. God only knows what's going to be on I there. don't know how it's going to work, but... If we get cancelled, just can blame Colin. Yeah, apparently we're starting a YouTube you channel. You fucking cancel nobody. <laughs> You'll not catch me! You'll not catch me! Um, so, yes, I don't know when that's going up. He just told me to tell you. Also, it's had something very interesting happen. So I was in a taxi coming back from the airport the other oh, night. Here you no, no, it's a, good, it's a good taxi story. He was lovely. And he gave me a tip that I'd never thought about before. Now, if anybody can poke holes in this, please do. And please don't follow this if it's a bad idea. So he's telling me that um, whenever he has women or girls in his taxi, he always says to them, if you're in a taxi and the taxi driver starts acting weird. Yeah. He said, the thing that you need to do, he was like, if you're on like a road where there's people, he said, tell him you're going to throw up and start gagging. Because he was like, he will rather get you out of that car than have you vomit in it. So he was like, if he's being weird and kind of kind of gross to you, just be like, I'm going to get sick. He was like, he will stop the car. Get out and run. I was like, sir. Imagine. That's a fucking great idea. That is. So I don't know, people might poke holes in that. I don't know, because sometimes when you give tips, people are like, but if this happened and then this happened. I just thought it was really interesting. And I thought to myself, if I was in a situation where that was happening, that would actually be very easy to be like, I'm going to get sick. Yeah, you're good at making yourself sick. I make myself sick all the time. So he was like, he's like, I'm telling you, he was like, if you are on a road, he was like, and there's people around and you're on like, say on a main road and there's like cars and shops, he was like, just do it because he will, that person will let you out of their car rather than have you vomit in the car. So I was like, there we go. A tip. If anybody's ever in an awkward situation or even if it's not, if you like. What the fuck were you talking about? Well, he was talking, he was telling me his life story. He told me about his uh, wife, he divorced him and his wife got divorced and then he was seeing a woman up until November and then they're finished. So he's on the lookout, was his words to me. Oh, okay. Um, He told me about his two dogs. He told me about how he got his uh, loan for his new car. We had a great chat. Um, And then do you know what he did? He stopped the car when we we finished the drive. He took my bag and he ran up the steps and put it at the top of the steps for me. A gent. His name was Paul. He was never going to listen to this. But he was a lovely man. So yes, there we go. Um, So it was a good taxi story. Her dogs made me think of uh, we're doing a pet awareness thing at work. Pet it's like a three day thing where we're like doing like we're going to do a fundraiser for like a local oh, uh, shelter and then we're so going sweet. to have a competition to bring in like the best photos of your pet and then someone wins prize and then we're doing another competition where it's like bring these coloring books home and get your kids to color them in and whoever like we're not going to do best picture because I can't do that with kids because yeah, it makes me sad yeah, yeah, yeah. so we're going to pull names out of a hat and one of them will win a Nintendo Switch and oh. I'm bringing Ollie to work and I got him a badge made for Amazon. Yeah, yeah so I got my Amazon badge. My child, I, I got his little photo and he's like, <laughs> he's just looking. Please at, take a million pictures. Um, and I'm going to get him, I'm going to try, I'm looking now to see if I can get my little high vis. He's coming love, to work for three days. I love that dog so much. Yeah. I would die for Oliver. I know you would. I love him so much. Please take loads um, of pictures. Yeah, I'm going to take loads of pictures of him and I'm going to get him like pictures of him maybe. Sorry, like, how's that fucking, that's the cutest thing yeah. I've ever heard in my life. I got my little badge and I'll have to go around his neck for when he comes to work. <laughs> Um, oh Ollie yeah. I hope he's the best time. I hope so too I think everybody's <laughs> gonna love him um, that is the thing well everybody 32 minutes 
32 minutes, baby! Attention, feminists! Murder Most Irish merchandise available now from Teespring.com. Plain, boring old tea's getting you down? Hey, buddy, does your honey scream funny, duddy? Spruce up your wardrobe with brand new and improved MMI apparel exclusively from Teespring.com. Don't be a mug? Buy one of ours. Like to steal things? Conceal your identity at the local shop and go with a kooky face mask. Be the swingin'est crazy bag lady on the block with our organic totes. Murder Most Irish merchandise at Teespring.com for all your murder feminist needs. Teespring.com is a third-party company. All stock manufacturing, purchases, and refunds are handled exclusively by them. Any queries should be directed to www.teespring.com. Anyway, okay, so let's get started on this awful story. It's going to make us both very mad. Are you ready to be mad? Am I going No. Are the children involved? Yes. So, um, just a massive trigger warning for uh, infant death, uh, mentions of sexual abuse, um, just horrificness in general, but if anything to do with like infant deaths or anything like that, you know, please don't listen. Don't listen. Because it's... Give this one a miss. It's a bad time. It's actually a whole... I'm actually going to skip this one. (laughs) Sorry, it's going to (laughs) leave. And you're going to read to the wall. It's a hometown. It's from Longford. (gasps) What? I remember my mother telling me about this story. You know it, I'm sure, as well. Um, so my references are all from a journalist, an amazing, incredible journalist called Rosita Boland, who covered this case from, like, day one up until recently. Um, so she did articles for the Irish Times, the Journal, uh, the Irish Independent, and I got some stuff from Wikipedia, the but echo. I will link all of her articles because they are so wonderfully written. Studio Echo. Uh, they're so wonderfully written and uh, detailed and just fantastic so I will link everything in the show notes or the show notes who the fuck do I think I am yeah the show notes show notes yeah, yeah. you know what yeah. we have a show we have notes we have only one fucking episode of this shit this is bullshit so my story this week is about the death of Anne Lovett um, so this is a hard one lads this is a hard one it's a hard one but also it's very very important because it's uh, where I Every, listen, Ireland is pretty much the same everywhere you go, but where I grew up, everything that happens in this story is exactly what I imagine would happen where I grew up and how people reacted. I think it would still happen now. Is how it just it hits home because I'm like, yeah, this would absolutely happen in my village. So as I said, my story this week is about the death of Anne Lovett and once again, trigger warnings for infant death and sexual abuse, things like that. So if it's just, please don't listen because I know things with babies really affect people. So yeah, no, I don't want to upset anyone. Anyway, okay, so... On the 31st of January 1984, uh, three schoolboys from Granard Tech walked down the grassy lane at the back of St. Mary's Catholic Church in the small town of Granard in County Longford. The day was bitterly cold, the ground wet as they followed the path towards the main road. The boys were veering towards their exit when they spotted a red school bag laying at the large metal gates beyond which was the entrance to Granard's grotto. So the grotto is where they have the, the Mary statue and stuff. So the grotto was hidden, secluded, and the boys thought it odd that someone would just abandon their bag there. As they walked, sorry, as they walked closer to investigate, the boys heard a moaning sound, followed by the sound of someone crying. The boys followed the noise through the gates and into the grotto. The three stood in complete shock as they saw a girl, no older than them, laying on the freezing cold stone. She was covered in blood, her knees were bruised, and beside her lay a newborn baby covered by a wet coat. The boys ran to the girl and sat beside her. One of the boys, Jimmy Brady, recognised Anne. 
He took her hand and noticed the dirt under her fingernails. I took her hand and I asked her if she was all right. She opened her eyes and then closed them again. As Anne lay on the ground, the rain pelting down, there was more and more blood. Anne's baby was not crying and was not making any noise. He was full term. He weighed six and a half pounds. Anne had given birth on the freezing ground and cut the umbilical cord with the scissors she had taken from her home that morning. She had wrapped him in her coat and placed the little boy beside her, but he was already dead. The three boys took action and decided to run to get help together. Now, I would just say these three young lads, when you see how the adults reacted compared to them, it's fucking astounding. Like they were actively trying to get this girl help. So they ran into the ch- onto Church Street and stopped the first adult they could find, who happened to be a man named Tony Kelly. The boys told Tony that a girl named Anne Lovett had fallen at the grotto, that she was covered in blood. This is what Tony said. He said, I thought they meant she had fallen from the top of a statue or something, like when she was coming from school. So I went up and seen this little girl and her baby lying on the grave. Tony followed the boys to where Anne lay. She was quieter now, not making much noise. And as Tony lay down and touched her hand, he said she was very, very cold. Tony, as per Ireland in the 80s, ran to get the parish priest instead of an ambulance. What? He ran to the house of Canon Gilfillan and told him that there was a girl dying at the grotto and there was a baby beside her who he believed to be dying too. Canon Gilfillan told Tony, quote, it's a doctor you need, but he did not call a doctor either. Instead, deciding to grab the items he needed to perform the last rites. What? The three boys who found Anne were still in a panic looking for someone who could help her. They were still trying. They ran down the main street in Granard and knocked on the first door they came across. The home belonged to Eugene Gallagher and when the boys explained what was happening, he ran with them back to the grotto. It was there he saw Tony Kelly and Canon Gilfillan standing over Anne's unmoving body. Tony, the only adult with common sense it seems, ran back to his house immediately to call the doctor. At 4.14pm, so this was about 15 minutes after the body, after, sorry, after Anne had been found, Gallagher called Dr. Tom Donohoe. Dr. Donahoe immediately called an ambulance from Mullingar Hospital, which is about 40 kilometres away from mm-hmm. Granard. And Eugene Gallagher ran back to the grotto with blankets to help Anne and the, keep, the, keep Anne and the baby warm. So the priest didn't even bring out... Nothing. When Eugene returned once more to the grotto, Canagal Fillon was admi- administrating the last rites to Anne and her baby. New- Eugene knew then that it was too late. So he was like, ran rang the doctor, got blankets, came back and these two, this fucking cannon was standing over her giving her the last rites in the pissing rain as she bled out on the ground with a dead baby beside her. Jesus Christ. So the boys realised that Anne's family had not been informed of what was happening and they took off once again. This is what I'm saying, like they're incredible. Oh my God. Anne's family owned a pub on the main street named the Copper Pot. The boys burst into the pub calling for Anne's father, Dermot. He had been in the shed doing some work and when they found him, they told him, Anne is up at the grotto having a baby. Dermot grabbed his son and Anne's younger brother Stephen and drove with the boys back to the grotto. When they arrived, Dr. Donahue was already there. Anne and her baby were lifeless. Oh. As the doctor sat by Anne, he knew that there was little hope. He said, I had a little hope for her, but not much. She was critically ill. So, four, sorry, 15-year-old Anne Lovett st- still lay on the ground with her baby. The two were now covered in blankets. 
Anne's father told the men to carry Anne to his car and he would drive her and the baby to their house to await the ambulance. Why wouldn't you drive to the hospital? Why wouldn't you drive to the hospital? The three boys who had found Anne on that horrible January day picked her up and carried her to the car. The boys? She was covered in blood. They put the baby in the back with its mother. Did one of the adults help? Useless. Ye- this just gets worse and worse. You have no... And I think it's because I'm from Longford that I'm like, you punch of fuckers. I, like, this is exactly... I'm not shocked by any of this, especially in the early 80s in Ireland. Mm. So I'm going to talk about Anne now a little bit. So Anne Rose Lovish was born on the 6th of April 1968 in Cove, County Cork. Anne was the third youngest of nine children. Jesus, good Catholics. Uh, her father Dermot was born in Kilnalek in County Cavan and moved his fam- family to Granard in 1981. So she'd only been in Granard like three years. Mm. Anne's mother Patricia was described as a quiet and devout woman. She regularly attended mass and very much kept to herself. So the couple bought the copper pot in Granard and the family lived above it. However, the pub did not actually open much and did not seem to show much trade. Weirdly enough, they didn't really just, they opened it sporadically every now and again. So Anne lived with her parents and her siblings. So these are her siblings, Patricia, Neil, Patricia, Neil, Jared, Coleman, Stephen, Keith and Dermot. Her older sister Louise had moved to Dublin to work. So the younger siblings were still in the house, but there were older siblings that had left. Anne attended Nakwira Secondary School. She worked on the school magazine FAIC and her favourite subjects in school were English and art. She was described as engaging, outgoing and very bubbly. Nuala Ledwith, who attended Nookwara with Anne, said Anne was, quote, a strong kind of girl, a kick-ass kind of girl. Another person in Anne's school, Michael, said Anne was very pretty, quote, she nearly always had her hair up in loads and loads of little plaits. Every so often she would undo the braids and her hair would stick out with all these lovely curls. She was gregarious and the life and soul of all the fun that was happening. The one thing I remember most strongly about her after all these years is that she seemed very independent and strong. Anne loved hanging out with her friends at the local pool hall. They played the Space Invaders game that was in the tiny little hall. And it's so funny because they're like pool hall. It's not, it's like just a room at the back of a pub where they put like a pool table. Uh, So Anne's friends said that she was very much a tomboy, that she wore a lot of baggy and oversized clothes. These clothes may have been something Anne enjoyed wearing or they could have been a way to hide Anne's heavily pregnant body. Yeah, because she's full term. Nine months. Anne's pregnancy was an open secret in Granard, with people whispering about it, but no one saying it to her. People in school knew, people in the copper pot where 13-year-old Anne worked. Her father had her working in a pub at 13 years old. Sometimes, just sometimes, knew. And Anne's best friend, Mary Maguire, knew for certain. So she's 13 years of age she and she's pregnant. No, she's 15. She was 13 when she started working in the pub. Oh, God. So, if they all, everybody... Where I'm from, this shit happens all the time. People are like, you'll never say it to a person, but it's always whisper, 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 whisper. whisper. So uh, Anne's pregnant, sorry. On the 27th of December, 1983, Anne had gone to her friend's Mary's house. She was upset and crying. And when she hugged Mary, she said, Mary, God, I'm pregnant. Mary asked her who the father was, how far along she was. And Anne told her she didn't know. So she said she didn't know who the father was. No, and she didn't know how, long, how far along she was. But she's 15 years of age. She knew. She knew. She just was afraid. Um, Anne went to Mary's house again on the day that she gave birth to her son. At midday, she went to Mary and asked if she could come with her somewhere, anywhere, just to talk. 
Mary was babysitting at the time, so told her she couldn't. So Anne left, which I find so funny because it was a school day. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? People, people in the eighties were like, "You can't go to school. You got to babysit." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Anne's father drove as fast as he could back to the copper pot with Anne and the baby. At this point, Patricia Lovett, who was Anne's um, mother, had arrived home and the entire entire town had already caught word of what happened to Anne. People were on the street and in complete shock. So Dermot and Patricia tried to keep Anne warm. They placed two hot water bottles either side of Anne's baby, but they knew he was dead. At 5.10pm, one hour and ten minutes after Anne had been found, the ambulance arrived. Jesus. Anne's mother went with Anne and the baby to the hospital while Stearman stayed at home with their children. She must have needed a blood transfusion. Oh, sorry, she'd completely hemorrhaged. She'd hemorrhaged. Like... Anne arrived to Mullingar General Hospital at 5.55pm. What? So this girl, probably longer than two hours, had been laying on the ground for like an hour and then another hour waiting for an ambulance. And previous to that had given birth to a baby by herself. In the freezing cold. Upon her arrival, it was noted that her fingertips and lips were completely white. Dr. Marie Scally said that, quote, momentarily there were signs of recovery, but almost immediately she stopped breathing. Anne Lovett had laid on the cold stone of the Granard Grotto for hours. She had given birth, watched her child die and begun hemorrhaging. Such was her suffering that the medical team opened her chest for direct cardiac massage and she showed no response. Aww. Anne Lovett and her son died on the 31st of January 1984. She was 15 years old. Her son, who was posthumously given the name Pat by her her family, was just one hour old when he died. Oh my God. The news of Anne's death spread quickly throughout the town. Did he just die from exposure? Yeah, he, no, the, I'll tell you later how he died, but no, that's not what he died from. So it spread quickly, obviously, throughout the town. It's a tiny town. Anne's ex-boyfriend, who I will talk about a little later on, Richard McDonnell, was walking through the main street at the time and said, quote, Everybody was screaming. It was just horrific. Everybody was screaming and crying. Everybody who was on the main street, and that's probably half the town. All the school children were coming up from the convent. I saw one girl pulling handfuls of her hair and just screaming. So Anne's best friend, Mary, learned of her death in a most abrupt, cruel way, with a group of girls just walking up to her and saying, matter of factly, Anne Lovett is dead. Oh my God. Not surprised by any of this. So Dr. Ken Kinane, a pathologist with the Midlands Health Board, carried out the autopsy in Anne and Pat and gave the cause of death for Anne as irreversible shock caused by hemorrhage and exposure during childbirth. Baby Pat died due to asphyxia during birth. So the umbilical cord had wrapped around his neck. Anne and baby Pat's bodies remained in Mullingar Hospital until February 2nd when they were both taken to St. Mary's Church in Granard. Anne and Pat's funeral took place on February 3rd, 1984. That's very fast. So fast. The two were placed in the same coffin. The entire town was in complete shock. Anne's classmates cried as they made a guard of honour outside the church. Anne's devastated family wailed as Anne's teacher, Pat Kilvan, played the uh, violin during the funeral service. Anne Lovett and her son, Pat Lovett, were laid to rest in Granard Kill graveyard. Pat was only given a name... Hmm. I found this out later because they wanted to bury him in consecrated ground so they had to give him a baptismal cert so they had to name had him had to name him in order for the baby to be buried fuck the catholic church yeah 
So on the 4th of February. You used to be, back in the day, you used to be baptised within like three days of being born. Yeah, it and was it like wasn't like for any other reason other than the fact that like there was you, a strong chance that you, you might, might die. die. Yeah. And we want to be able to bury it in <clears throat> Catholic, Catholic ground. Catholic ground. So on the 4th of January, sorry, 4th of February, Jim Gray, journalist for the Longford Leader, which was our paper, received an anonymous phone call from someone telling him that a young girl had died giving birth at the grotto in Granard. So no one knew at this point? Um, as the call was received quite late in the afternoon, just in parentheses, Gray said he believes this call was from a Garda in Granard who made the anonymous call. He's fully convinced a Garda rang him was like, this awful thing is after happening. People are just sweeping it on the car- under the carpet. Now he can't confirm that, but that's what he believes. Um, but as he received the call quite late, the paper had already gone to press so he couldn't run the story. Okay. The same call was made to the Sunday Tribune instead. Obviously this person was like, it's not going to get there. I'm going to ring the Sunday Tribune. And journalist, journalist Emily O'Reilly was assigned to the story. So on the 5th of February, the next day, Emily O'Reilly's story was printed with the headline, Girl 15 Dies After Giving Birth in a Field. So that was the headline. The immediate grief and anger that struck the country and Anne and Pat's senseless and horrific deaths was palpable. So people saw this. Will you, see, will you hear how they found out about it and how disgusted you're going to be when I tell you how people found out about this? So Nuala Fennell, who was the Minister of State from December 82 to January 87, with responsibility for women's affairs and family law, that's her full title, called, <laughs> called their deaths a national tragedy and called for an inquiry immediately. Quote, regardless of whose sensibilities were hurt. Sorry? I.e. she was like, I don't give a fuck about the Catholic Church. I don't give a fuck about any of this unwed mother bullshit. You're going to have an inquiry. So fair play to her. So Even though she's got a made up job. This is how Anne's story originally got out. The previous night, on February 4th, the Late Late Show's usual episode was coming to a close. So the Late Late Show, for anybody that's not from Ireland, the Late Late Show was a talk show the in Gable Ireland talk- that ran for fucking decades. It's still on. Yeah, but it's not him. Gay Byrne presented it then. Who presents it now? Tuberty. Tuberty. So it ran for decades and decades and everybody was like, the Late Late Show was like, Gay Byrne was a family name. Everybody Gay knew Byrne him. is he was like, the... God to people. What's the equivalent in America? Gay Byrne is almost like the Oprah of... Yeah, pretty much. Ireland. Like the Johnny Carson, that kind of vibe. Except um, not funny. Not funny. And like, but like every, deeply Catholic. Everybody in Ireland watched this show. So, on a Friday what he would do is he would read the headlines of the newspapers for the next day. Yes. So this is like the show ended at like 11, half the, 11. The show still currently yeah. ends at half So they would have like the newspapers for the next day because obviously it had gone to press already. So the usual episode was coming to a close. During the last segment of each show, presenter, an annoying Catholic, Gay Byrne would read the headlines from the next day's papers. Gay Byrne read the headline, Girl, 15, dies after giving birth in a field. He then ushered the words, Nothing terribly exciting there and dropped the paper to the floor at his feet. What? Yep. Don't talk to me about Catholic Ireland. Don't talk to me about Catholic Ireland. So this single act would lead to one of the largest outpourings from women who had experienced exactly what Anne Lovett had happened to Anne Lovett and a change to how these conversations would be going forward. Gay, Byrne read, Gay Byrne's reading of the headline would be the first uh, 
time, sorry, Ireland was to hear of Anne and Pat's deaths. And in the following days and months, a tiny town in Longford would become the focus of a media storm. Did that, like, was there any stories the next day where they were like, gay burn, fuck you? No, of course not. Are you crazy? But something did happen. Something did happen. Which kind of makes him look a bit better. But also he shouldn't have done that. What the fuck? Because he literally read that story and was like, some dirty little slut got pregnant and died yeah. in a field. That's what he read. So, true to Longford form, the entire town shut down and journalists request, uh, journalists requesting information were like, told to fuck off, get out, we're not talking to you. Like, nobody would speak to them. Doors were closed in people's faces. Local told reporters to leave. The Lovets shut the copper pot doors and opposed anyone looking for a statement. So they just shut the pub down. I just want to say, while I'm reading this, I in no way... I'm trying to say the Lovets are bad people because I don't know them and that's not what I'm trying to do. They lost their daughter and their grandson in like one fell swoop in a horrific way. It is very difficult to be in this situation. I know she was pregnant. We'll talk about that. But it's very difficult to be in a situation where all of this is happening and you come from a tiny town in the arsehole along for that nobody knows and then all of a sudden there are journalists from RTE knocking on your door and your daughter has been dead three days. So I, un- I am not saying anything bad about the Lovats in any capacity whatsoever. I'm just reading what happened. Just, I don't want anybody to think I'm t- they lost their daughter. Like, it's not for me to say anything. But anyway. So, as the media pressure intensified, Anne's school... <sighs> this is just going to make you so angry. <laughs> we're the first to make a statement. Uh-oh. So on February 7th, Sister Maria Plunkett, the principal Sister Maria of, Plunkett can go fucking the suck nuns, the nuns. The Sister Maria Plunkett, the principal of Nukwera, stood in front of the school and the public and read the following statement. As my mother says, bad bitches the whole lot Bad of them. bitches the whole lot of them. It is difficult to express how the staff feel on this sad and tragic occasion. We have gone through the past week with Anne's family and shared their grief and their sense of loss. Anne was an intelligent and bright girl who took an active part in school life and was interested in her studies. She seemed happy in school and gave no indication of being under stress. No one on the staff knew she was pregnant. Bullshit. Lies. Had we known about Anne's pregnancy, we would have taken her with understanding and compassion. Lies. As would be the normal practice. She would have been sent to a... Um, to scrub floors she until she gave She would have been sent to a birth. laundry. We would have taken her to accept it, to cope with it, and also put her in touch with those who would enable her to make the necessary arrangements for the proper care of herself and her baby. We respect and accept the personality and individuality of each of our pupils. The circumstances of this tragedy reflect on an element of mystery on everyone's part. I don't believe a word of this. And also they went to a solicitor for this statement before it was released. Yeah, because they fucking knew she was pregnant. They knew she was pregnant. So journalist Nell McCafferty, who by the way is an absolutely fucking incredible woman. uh, If you ever get a chance to read any of Nell McCafferty's work, please do. Had travelled to Granard and stayed there for three days during this. She said that the local people knew her views. McCafferty is a feminist and civil rights campaigner. And some came to talk to her to tell her stories in private. Because they were like, we know you and we know you'll be okay with it. That the nuns knew Anne was pregnant. Yep. They also told her that one teacher, who wasn't a nun, who had been present at the statement, refused to sit near the nuns as they were disgusted at the hypocrisy in the statement. So one teacher was like, I know you're lying. This is disgusting. So Anne's classmates and fellow pupils were told of her death in an assembly. They were completely shocked and deeply upset. However, the school seemed to want to just get on with things. Of course they did. One student said, quote, it was very morose and quiet. There was none of the usual messing. It was an awful thing because at the time, a teenage pregnancy was awful. So they knew. 
that if she had come forward and said she was pregnant, all hell would have broken. Yeah, she loose. would have been sent to the laundry. And also them being like, we're deeply upset, we're deeply upset, listen to this. He said, it was not, uh, it was not quite immediate business as usual, but it was definitely a get back to work kind of thing. So they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want the students to have to deal with the fact that a girl that they knew, 15 years of age, had given birth, her baby had died, and she had died on the fucking grounds of a grotto five minutes up the road. It was like a back to work. Because mm. we don't want this shame brought on our school. Yes. Granard Town's silence continued, and on the 16th of February, the Midlands Health Board released a statement about the findings of its report. Chief Executive Dennis J. Doherty advised that Anne had seen Dr. Donahoe the man that obviously came to her, twice in the months leading up to her death. During her second visit, she would have been seven months pregnant. Doherty stated, quote, the consultations related to a medical condition, shingles, totally unrelated to her pregnancy. The diagnosis arrived and did not, oh, sorry, the diagnosis arrived and did not necessitate the taking of specimens for analysis and the physical, ex- physical examination required was a type of which did not reveal any indication that the patient might be pregnant. So a teenage girl comes into your office, clearly seven months pregnant. In a tiny village in a where, tiny everybody's village where everybody knows, the fact that she's which pregnant. shingles, and you don't think... Maybe I should help her? How much pressure was this girl under that she got shingles? Like shingles is That's brought stress. on by stress. Stress. And they're all acting like, we don't know why she did this. You do know why she did this. Because you do know how you would have reacted. Yeah. Because she had seen this happen to other people. Like Ireland was not this advanced place in the 1980s. We were so fucked. Like, oh, So two days, like contraception wasn't even legal. 15 year old with shingles. 15 years old. So two days earlier on February 12th. Oh, we were doing like the Belfast runs, weren't we? The condom trains. Yeah. The, what did they call them? The contraceptive. I can't remember. Runs. Yeah, I remember. I remember watching Reeling in the Years and that yeah. was on it. And I was like, and that's Gaywell mad. had the yeah. condoms on the, on the, on the lately. <laughs> in the fucking uh, 80s, Emma. It's insane. In the 80s, Gaywell was like, look at this thing. Stop you having a baby. Yeah. Do we want it in Ireland? Do we want it, guys? So... Uh, two days earlier everybody go fuck off on February 12th he's going to get worse February 12th Canon uh, Gilfellan the guy that went to the, the grotto and did nothing yeah stood in front of a congregation in St Mary's Church and stated the following mm-hmm. word for fucking word the secret of what happened is with that little girl in the grave what happened should have been left to the town to deal with in its own way my firm belief is that what happened should not have been covered by RTE or the newspapers. It should have been kept parochial, local. They gave us loudmouth publicity of the worst kind. But God is good and able to triumph over evil reporting. What? I'm not shocked by any of this. Because I've seen shit where I'm from that I've been like, are y'all fucking serious? I'd ever tell you the story. You call me this and I don't give a fuck. My mother told me this story before. Remember that um, bishop that was on the late... Well, he wasn't on the Late Late Show. His partner was on the Late Late Show. And they had the kid? Had the kid. Yeah. (laughs) The day after that happened, a neighbour... Not a neighbour, a woman in our village. Our priest was doing math. Oh, yeah. She got up on the church, on the altar and was like... I suppose you saw that slush on the television last night. And like people had to like walk up and take her away and drag her down. Yep. That's not like this is the Catholic Church has warped people. This is brainwashing. Like so he also went on to state that quote Whoever gave the news to Dublin was only spreading scandal. Apologies. 
That's what he said. Excuse-moi. Excuse-moi. Whoever gave the news to Dublin was, was just only spreading, spreading scandal. scandal. Well, wait till I tell you something, sir. This is fucking scandal. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you uh, understand? A 15-year-old child is dead. You should be scandalised. Yeah. And her baby is dead. A 15-year-old gave birth And you went to by the, herself. You went to the grotto and gave the last rites instead of getting your car, putting her in your car and driving her to the fucking hospital. Like... Idiots. So, Eugene McGee, who was the editor of the Longford Leader at the time stated that he understood the people of Granard's silence and the fear of the media circus. He said, quote, I know from talking to Granard people, they were completely at sea as to what as to what was to be done or what was going to happen. They were hit with an absolute avalanche of media coverage. Everyone ran for cover is the best description. They didn't want to get involved at all. He went on to say that the people of Granard were psychologically damaged from Anne's death and the, oh, sorry, and the countrywide reaction. The local people believed that the media were portraying them as barbarians, according to McGee. So Eugene himself wrote a fun front, page pe- front page piece for the Longford Leader, okay. which was entitled, Who is to say Anne Lovett did not die happy? Excuse me? Who is to say she has not fulfilled her role in life as God decreed? That was the headline of the article that he wrote. The piece was obviously massively... Are these people alive? Yeah, I, I know who Eugene McGree is. These, uh, this piece was obviously massively controversial and resoundingly dumb, but McGee stated almost 30 years later that the, oh, he only wrote it to help the people of Granard feel less grief and anger towards the media's interpretation of them as people. So he was like, I just wanted to make them feel better. So I said, who said she didn't die happy? Who said this isn't what God wanted? She was 15... At 3pm on February 21st, 1984, in the Westmead County County Council building, the inquest into the deaths of Anne and Pat Lovett began. The hearing took place in front of an all-male jury of six. Yeah, of course. Anne's mother and father, as well as some of Anne's friends, were in attendance. Dermot Lovett told the inquest that their family was incredibly close-knit and loved each other very much. He said that they had no idea or even inkling that Anne was pregnant. Inspector Patrick J. Colleran, who was representing the Garda at the inquest, read out Patricia's statement as she was too upset to do so. She cried as Colleran read her words, quote, I never thought she was pregnant. If I had known, I would have made sure that she would have gotten the best care and guest care possible and assistance. So Anne's friend Mary also spoke. This girl breaks my heart. Like she's devastated. She told the inquest that she knew Anne was pregnant, but thought that she had gotten some help. She said she did not know who the father of Anne's baby was. So Dr. Marie Scally, who was the obstetrician who attended to Anne when she arrived to Mullingar Hospital, told the inquest she knew of various instances where women and girls were able to hide their pregnancies up to their due date. My sister hid her pregnancy for the first seven months. Some even shared a room with another person at the time. So they could have been like, which Anne did, she shared a room with her sister Patricia. So... That's what Maybe quite small as well, which yes, tell me that like she she's that not. But also, like that's one of the symptoms of hiding your pregnancy. Yeah. So the inquest lasted forty eight minutes, and she'd fucking shingles. Yeah, and Coroner Patrick Mangan urged the jury to quote deliver a verdict of death consistent with the pathologist's findings. He said it was clear that Anne's parents did not know their daughter was pregnant, and the jury agreed. So that was the end of the inquest. So although the parents, sorry, it's although, someone knew. 
Everyone knew. Although the inquest believed Anne's parents did not know about her pregnancy, quite a few people in Granard did know and spent their time making jokes about it. Mary, Anne's best friend, stated that at least four people in their circle knew that men in the pubs would make jokes about her bump, that some people in Granard were too busy moralising and cracking jokes to help a 14-year-old who was obviously pregnant. Mary, what a... Like, that's... Like, she got up there she and said, like... She breaks She breaks and she, there's a picture of her and she's just... Broken tiny little thing like, yeah. So, as I mentioned earlier, Gay Burns' reading of the headline from the Sunday Tribune and his dismissal of it as nothing terribly exciting there will come back in a way that caused a total shift in how pregnancies were spoken about in Ireland. But he didn't get fired. No, he didn't. Women began writing letters to Gay Byrne about their experiences. So they were like, you said that? We're going to send a fuck ton of letters. Is this which show? Because Gay Byrne used to do another show where he used to read out letters. He had a, he had a radio show. And he, the Gay Byrne show, yeah. yeah. So, um, and on February 23rd, 1984, he gave over his show on RTE Radio 1 to reading the letters. Just FYI, massive trigger warnings here for child death and sexual abuse. So Gayburn said that only two weeks after the story broke, he received, quote, too many letters. They couldn't be ignored. The details... I fucking hate him. The details in the stories were horrendous and utterly heartbreaking. They spoke of an Ireland who had forgotten and punished women. Byrne said of the women who had wrote, written in, quote, time and again, they make the point that being able to write it all down is a release, relief. They thank Anne Lovett for giving them the courage to express what they had to keep secret. Her sacrifice was not in vain, is their point. So I'm just going to read one letter from a woman uh, who sent it in from Wexford. Just to maybe explain to people what women in Ireland were going through. And were going through for ever. Centuries. Up until four years ago? Yeah. So this is what the lady said. Her name obviously wasn't sent. I know how Anne felt as I have travelled down that same lonely road. At the age of 16, I found myself pregnant and still at school. I concealed my pregnancies, pregnancy until I was eight months pregnant. My mother then discovered with great horror that her only daughter was one of these unmentionable people. How could I humiliate them this way? What would the neighbours think? My parents were very well-off business people. It was decided that I would go and look after my poor, sick, great-aunt in Dublin. After six weeks, I gave birth to a baby boy and returned home immediately to pick up from before, as if nothing had ever happened. Never in the past 10 years since the birth of my baby have my parents ever talked about my pregnancy. Aww. They even talk about other girls who get in trouble as if I never had a baby. Of course, my baby was adopted. There was never any question of anything else happening. I hide my secret with great hurt and guilt. I feel very depressed at times and wish I could reveal my long-kept secret to somebody. On several occasions, I've walked into my local GP's waiting room in the hope of talking to him, but always fail to wait and see him for fear of what he might think of me. So there are hundreds of those stories. Hundreds. The stories were overwhelming in both content and number. In her article, Death at the Grotto, by Rosita Boland, Rosita remembers a letter that struck her. A woman who was nine months pregnant and still working on her employer's farm left the field and went upstairs. She gave birth to a baby and placed it in a suitcase. Other women had stuffed their babies in drawers, some killing their own child to avoid detection and shame. Oh, God. 
Rosita also noted that in some cases, when these women mentioned their employers or the men who got them pregnant, they were in fact talking about their own fathers. Yeah. Which was very much happening in Ireland. I know of a woman. I know I know her daughter incredibly well. I think I've told you the story. It turns out that her grandfather is her dad. Yeah, I'm be talking about that. And she her father her father used to rape her like consistently um from the age of nine and obviously when she started to have a period she used to fall pregnant and she wrote a book and within the book she tells the story of at least nine times getting up in the middle of the night and going out into the field out of the back of their house and giving birth to babies and then burying the babies herself and then being told to go back to bed I just don't even know like my mum always says, you know, they talked about the fallen women. The fallen women. Never about the men that were like, getting about these the fucking women fallen, pregnant and what about the them? fallen men. She was like, they were too. My mum always says they're too busy going up to the top of the church taking the Eucharist after raping their own daughters because that is what was happening. Yeah. There's no point to sugarcoat this. They were raping their own daughters and getting them pregnant. Um, incest is a massive yeah. problem in the Republic of Ireland. And then admonishing and destroying their children who they raped and got pregnant yeah. and calling them a disgrace and how dare they do this to my family and blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. So Anne's death came uh, just months after an abortion referendum, referendum which had been held in Ireland in 1983, in which a two thirds majority voted to enshrine the right to life of the unborn in the Constitution, creating confusion over where that left the rights of the mother. Nowhere. Nowhere. In the shitter. That's from Wikipedia verbatim. So Anne's name would be revisited in 2018 when Ireland began a new campaign for safe and legal abortion for the women of this country. The Irish Times rang a lengthy piece detailing Anne's death and the subsequent outpouring of anger and grief. This led to Anne Lovett's former boyfriend, who I mentioned earlier, yeah. coming forward and giving an extensive interview to the paper. So before this, nobody knew who the baby, nobody knew who the baby's father was. Yeah. This chap still doesn't know if he's the baby's father, but he came forward. So... In the interview, Richard Ricky MacDonald told Rosita Boland, an amazing woman, that he had met 14-year-old Anne in her father's pub. He was 15 at the time. He said that they fell in love very quickly. Quote, I was bowled over, absolutely bowled over. I thought she was so funny. She was so nice looking. She was so friendly. I think she liked me immediately as well. It was like love at first sight. Ricky and Anne became closer and began hanging out until late at night. Ricky stated that Anne's parents never looked for her or questioned what their 14-year-old daughter was doing at 11pm at night. And how many kids? Nine kids. Yeah. But also, that sometimes can be a sign of neglect and just being like, I don't care where you are. Yeah. Um, also, Ricky's parents didn't care how where he was because... My parents didn't care no, where I was. No, he had a reason. His mother, he's originally from England and his mother moved to Granard but his father stayed in England and then his father got really sick and the mother went back to look after him and brought Ricky and then he was like I'm not staying here I want to go back to Ireland so he came back to Ireland at 15 and just like lived by himself now his mother was like please come back to England and he was like no so he wasn't neglected or left alone or anything like that it was just that um, that's what he wanted that's what he wanted so so they began sleeping together when Anne turned 14 and Ricky said things became serious between them He said that they had also spoken about what they would do if Anne got pregnant. She told Ricky that she would ask for help from a relative in Dublin if that ever happened. What? Yeah, so she was like, if I ever get pregnant, her sister lived in Dublin. 
because that's clearly what she was thinking she was oh. like I'll just go to my sister also this shows uh, the lack of sexual education in Irish schools at the time yeah. the fact that there was no contraception and the fact that they didn't know what the fuck they were doing because nobody told them anything because they were kids like so they were like if I get pregnant I'll just I'll just go to Dublin to my sister and she'll help us i.e. get the boat okay so in April 1983 Ricky was at home in bed when at around 10.15pm he heard a banging on his front door when he opened it Anne was standing there uh, she was, he said she was very upset she was sobbing I was asking her what was wrong and she was crying Anne told him she had been beaten he said he brought her upstairs to calm her down that she was sobbing uncontrollably Ricky asked to see her injuries and was enraged when he saw her thighs were scraped and bruised he begged her to tell him who had hurt her but she began crying again and told him she couldn't tell him that he couldn't say anything Ricky then asked Anne if she had been raped and did not reply but she just continued to cry and that is that injury is is where you are injured when you're raped after this incident Ricky said he and Anne drifted apart they were never formally broken up they never had the conversation but Ricky knew things were over after this oh sorry in October of 1983 Ricky began hearing rumours that Anne was pregnant so people were talking about this people were talking about it in her father's pub but her mum and dad didn't know she was pregnant yeah. in her father's pub um, they had had sex for the last time in the summer of 1983 so Ricky was concerned that he might be the father okay he approached Anne and asked her if the rumours were true she laughed it off and told Ricky she was not pregnant and that she just gained some weight Ricky said quote I told her several times that if she was pregnant that I would stand by her Ricky would see Anne for the last time on New Year's Eve in 1983 at the Fountain Blue Nightclub in Longford. So they just went out, he met her, they had a few drinks, that was it. Days after Anne's funeral, two of Anne's friends arrived at her home as Patricia had told them they could take some mementos from Anne's room, something to remember her by. So her mum was like, if you want to take like, she's a kid, she used to collect collect, little fancy soaps. Oh, okay. And they, she was like, if you want to take some of her soaps or whatever, just to like remember your friend by. The girls climbed the stairs to Anne's room where Patricia, Anne's sister, who had shared a room with Anne, helped them find some items. They looked under Anne's bed and found a small suitcase. Inside were two sealed envelopes. One was blank, but the other had the word Ricky written on it. The girls opened the blank envelope first and began to read its contents together. One of Anne's friends told the paper that she does not remember who the letter was for. So she doesn't remember who it, like I said, dear ma'am or whatever. She wasn't sure. But she does remember what it said. Quote, I can't say who it was for or if there was like a dear ma'am or anything like that. <clears throat> I don't know. I only remember that the first few lines were, if I'm not dead by the 31st of January, I'm going to kill myself anyway. Those are the lines that have stuck with me all those years. And that's the absolute truth. The girls brought the letters downstairs to Patricia, Anne's mum. She read them and then she and her oldest daughter, Louise, paid a visit to Ricky. He said there were tears in their eyes when they handed him the letter. They told him not to blame himself and he left. Ricky said he read the letter and fell to pieces. Quote, I only read the letter once because I just lost it. But the gist of the letter was how much that Anne had loved me and how sorry she was for doing what she was going to do. She said she never meant to hurt me, that she had loved me, that the reason she was doing it was that nobody believe, would believe I was the father of that child. Two hours after Ricky had received that letter, 
Local priest, Father John Quinn, knocked on Ricky's door. He had heard of the Lovitz giving the letter to Ricky and demanded to see it. Sorry? Ricky handed the letter to Quinn and upon reading it, he told Ricky to, quote, burn that letter because that's going to cause so much trouble. It'll destroy the town. Why would it destroy the town? Because she would rather die than give birth to a child because she knew what was going to happen to her and how badly she'd be treated. That's why. And the Catholic Church know that the reason she would be treated badly is because of what a bunch of cunts they are. So she was so ashamed and so afraid of being pregnant that she was like, I'm just going to die. I'm just going to kill myself. Jesus. Because that's what it is. And that's why they were like, get rid of it because that's going to make us look bad. Two hours after that woman had arrived to Ricky's house, the priest knew about it. And they didn't know Anne was pregnant. <sighs> Ricky did what he was told and burned the letter. If a parish priest knocked on my door and asked for anything. I'd tell him to go fuck himself. i put him through the door. I remember the parish priest. Like, this is a true story. The parish priest knocked on our door and was like, uh, I, it was something to do with like getting your dog blessed. Right? It was like, do you have a pet? And I, oh, I've, yeah, I think I remember yeah. dog blessings. And then yeah. they were like, we got your information. I don't know where they got my information. And I was like, what do you mean you got my information? Get the fuck out of my gas. And was like, oh yeah, no. And I was like, you may, rem- don't knock on my door no, again. I don't want anything to do with church. But like, I, my, my best friend, one of my best friends in school, I remember her telling me that her grandmother, the parish priest came to her house because she wasn't having enough babies. Sorry. Telling her to have more babies and she couldn't have more babies. I don't even know when. So, days later, Granard Gardy requested that Ricky's mother return to Granard from the UK as they wanted to interview her son. Ricky was taken to the Garda station and Detective John Murren took his statement. Ricky said, He asked me everything. He asked me every question under the sun. The times we had sex, where we had sex, did I know anyone else? Who did this? One of the detectives. Uh, did I know anyone else who had sex with Anne? Was there anybody that I suspected? Did she have any other boyfriends? And then I told him about the assault and what had happened. So he told this detective, Anne came to my house and said, and I'm she... pretty sure she was raped. Ricky said, excuse me, the detective did not ask any further questions about the assault and just asked Ricky to sign the statement and they did not give him a copy. Two what? days later... They didn't give him a copy. Nothing. Hear this. Two days later, Father Quinn came back to Ricky's house. This time he told him that the Bishop of Arda and Clummacknoise, Colm O'Reilly, who did my confirmation, wanted to speak to him. What? He said the Bishop wanted to hear Ricky's story. When they arrived to the Bishop's palace... <laughs> Excuse me? Get over yourselves. He was taken into a room with the Bishop and another member of the clergy. The Bishop wanted to know exactly what Ricky had told the guardie. Quote, there was some kind of discussion at the end of it between Father Quinn and him and the other person. I was sitting there at the table as well. I just wasn't listening to them. I was miles away. The bishop told me he was swearing me to a vow of silence. Fuck off! And that I would have to kiss the seal of St. Peter and he held out his hand with the bishop's ring. Give me this! What? I was told to never breathe a word of it again. When Rosita reached out to the bishop for a statement, the church responded, quote, Bishop O'Reilly has never met or communicated with Mr. Richard Donnell, McDonnell. Bishop O'Reilly has never asked anyone to meet or communicate with Mr. McDonnell. So he just made this behalf. off, did he? So Ricky was very unsure of how his story would be received by the public at large. He said, 
I'm now hoping that other people will come forward and tell me what they knew about that time. What kind of signal it is that we are sending to our children that is okay to brush things under the carpet and remain silent for decades. So further tragedy was to befall the Lovett family when on the 22nd of April 1984, months after her sister's death, Patricia Lovett took her own life. <gasps> she was 17 years old. They lost two daughters in the space of three months. Dermot died three years later and Anne's mother continued to live in Granard until she was until her death in 2015. She was 81. Her dad died? Three years later, her daughter, their daughter completed suicide three months after her sister died. Now, allegedly, hmm? not saying this is true, there was talk of um, Anne being abused sexually within her family. I don't know. I That's allegedly... It, I'm not saying that's true. But a lot of people kind of insinuated that Patricia then took her own life because that had happened to her as well. Oh, okay. But the other way to look at it as well is Patricia lost her sister in such a horrific fucking way mm. that maybe she couldn't deal with it. So there's and a no lot one was of, talking about no. it. And it was sh- like, sh- go sh- back to sh- school. Sh- pretend nothing happened. Like, Your friend died at a grotto. Like they, those poor three boys that find her, found her. So... To this day, Granard remains tight-lipped about the Anne Lovett case. When Rosita Boyland, Boland returned to the town 20 years after Anne's death, she was met with the same secrecy, secrecy journalists had received in the days after Anne perished in the grotto. When she entered pubs, locals would down their drinks and walk out. She was asked to leave shops toned, and told to turn off her recording equipment. One mo- man told her of Anne, quote, She's dead and buried, and that's where you people should leave her. Another set of the Lovets, wait you hear this. The family weren't from here at all anyway. They weren't granard people. They were just blow-ins. Excuse me? One woman who owned a business on the main street, however, did speak to Rosita Boland. She said, people don't want to talk about it because then they can pretend it never happened. A couple of people talked to Lorelai Harris when she made that programme here. Uh, it was a 1995 documentary called Letters to Anne. Okay. It was on the radio. And they had a very hard time afterwards. People felt that they shouldn't have broken rank. So basically people were speaking to this Lorelai Harris person and then other people were like, why the fuck did you talk to her? Because she's allowed to? Mm. Rosita spoke to Father Kelly, who told her, nobody lays flowers at the grotto on the anniversary of Anne Lovett's death. So we're going to do that. Yeah, okay. We're leaving flowers at her grave. Okay. At the grotto or at her grave? At her grave. There is never a memorial of mass as the family do not request it. So there's been nothing. No flowers on her grave. No flowers at the grotto. No mass. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They've just what? forgotten this girl. He said, quote, People of Granard don't want to make a big, di- big issue out of what happened. Even after 20 years, the media have tried to read more into it than it was. Such tragedies as these happen in life. It was not the biggest and most important story that happened in Granard in 20 years. It was just an unfortunate episode. <sighs> Anne's sister Louise is one of the remaining members of the Lovett family and is now the chief executive of Longford's Women's Link, an organisation that aims to, quote, link women in the pursuit of justice and equality. To this day, none of the family have spoken publicly about Anne's death. And that is a story of the death of Anne Lovett and her son Pat Lovett and why I want to burn Longford to the ground sometimes. Well, I have to leave now. (laughs) 
the damage the Catholic Church Do you know what? It's not even like the damage, right? Because the damage the Catholic Church has done is not new news. But the thing that gets me about all of that is that thing of like, this isn't the biggest thing that ever happened. Like other things have happened. Other things have happened. And it's like, I don't like to miss the gravity of the situation. The gravity of the situation isn't that like women being pregnant are dirty little secrets. Mm. Like the gravity is that a 15 year old died. What like one had suicide notes written and then went to a grotto with a scissors, knowing they were in full labor. Yep. Gave birth, cut the umbilical cord themselves, and then hemorrhaged to death. Died on a and the re- and the reason that happened is because and this is the thing that the person's missing is like. Okay, yeah, we get that. Like tragedies happen all the time, and if this had been in a hospital where it was like this person hemorrhaged, we did everything yeah. we possibly yeah, could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave them all the care they needed, but it's like this happened, and it's happened in such a manner because you don't care about women, and because and you don't care about girls. The shame and the fear, and the shame and the fear ingrained. of like. I had sex outside of marriage. And I'm pregnant and the, my family are going to disown me and the church is going to hate me and everyone in my village is going to help me. And, and also, she'd been raped. Raped. Yeah. Like... It's just frustrating. And then this thing of like, this is like, this isn't the... Like, things like this happen all the time. Yeah. It's like, someone fucking raped her. And the other side of it is, when Granard, the people in Granard... I don't know people Like Granard. wouldn't you want to know If you're in Granard yeah. And you're Wouldn't you want to know If like, you're fucking hanging around With a rapist I I, I know people from Granard They're lovely people But what I'm saying is They were more concerned With protecting Whatever secrecy they had And not being called barbarians Than to stand up and go Just a is, fucking rapist amongst us fucked up This girl was raped She got pregnant And died on the ground At a grotto Because The shame and fear is so large around the Catholic Church that she would have rather died than just had a healthy baby. It's insane. In a hospital with her family around her. And that's the problem. And that's what they're not talking about. And it's the same. I live from a tiny village in Longford in the middle of nowhere. And shit has happened in my village in the last six years that I will say there were people in our village that knew it was going on yeah and rather than fucking ring an authority and do something it was shh don't talk about it shh don't talk about it shh it's none of your business it's none of your business it is your business if children are being abused it's your business if women are being abused it's your business because you'll be all oh it's shocking oh it's terrible what happened oh it's shocking but you're watching the it precursor happened. to it fucking happening yeah. because and where I come from is still very much ingrained in the Catholic Church like it's still very much like things that people do they react in a Catholic way and the one thing about Catholicism they're all like love your neighbour love your neighbour as yourself look after your family but if anything bad happens or if anybody knows any insidious stuff is happening shh 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 yeah. shh, shh, shh. So my mother always says ditches have ears which drives me nuts when she ditches says that ditches have ears she, oh, she's like ditches have ears I'm like I don't give a fuck Kathleen. What does that mean? Just keep your voice down, people can hear. Ditches of ears. She always says that. And I'm like, I'm giving fuck. You just drive me. M-. And she, I think she said it because she knew I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like my neighbor did a documentary a couple of years ago because her she got pregnant and her son was taken from her and sent to a, sold to a family to in America. To the States. And she has never gotten over it and she's never been better from it. And it's she's carried it with her entire yeah. life. And it's like we're meant to pretend that didn't happen. We're meant to be shh, 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 fuck off. I'll never shh again. Because that's how I was brought up. I was brought up to shh. Yeah, shh. we were brought up to like, my, 
yeah it's that thing of like I hate it don't tell anybody what's going on I it's remember um, going through this like really bad period with like my parents my parents like 100% suffer with like alcoholism yeah and like there was a period in my like teenage years where it was like horrific like their alcoholism was like but to, like I, I could use that word but to this day would tell me that under no circumstances were they ever alcoholics 100%. and did any of this ever happen yeah, yeah 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 and I remember being so like trapped that I went and spoke to one of my uncles and was like I need help like I, I need don't some, yeah. I need someone to come and help me yeah like I don't know how to deal with this yeah. I can't fix this like where I, what I'm living in is not safe yeah. and I'm near like there was like my uncle came and I think there was like a conversation had well did you control never spoken like never spoken to again like they don't they're not like pals it's like this and then they stood in and tried to help you yeah and then it's like that thing of like um I should have never like opened my mouth because that's what it is it's inside the home and it's like but no it's not though and it's so funny when people think that other people don't know and I'm like they know and that's the thing I remember when I went for help it was like oh yeah we know like we know that's like okay could could I could I get some help that's when I was reading this when I was write, writing this story today I was so mad I had to get up a couple of times and just like make tea or whatever because yeah. I was like it just hits home when you read stuff like that where you're like it, your, your secrecy is more important than the life of a child yeah, or you're saving face. Yeah. And they you're were like, like, we don't want anybody to think we're... And that line that that woman said, they're not even from Granard, they're blow-ins. What the fuck has that got to do with anything? Yeah. But I'm not shocked. Like, and I'm not putting Longford down. I'm from Longford. Longford. But it's not just a Longford OG thing. Longford, like, you know And what I, I mean? don't even think it's just... A, like, I'm from Dublin, right? And it's a big sprawl and... Yeah. But, like... That happened here, too. People don't... Like, Michaela gave... My mom gave birth to Michaela... By herself. Yeah. There's in so a hospital. She's 16. She didn't want her mum to come with her. Like, she went and gave birth by herself. And then my dad was not allowed to go. Um, and he wasn't even told, as far as I'm aware, that she was in labour. Um, now, at the time of my mum giving birth, a man or a boy, because my dad was like a teenager, wouldn't have been allowed in there anyway. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she gave birth by herself because it was like this stigma of like... Yeah. And then, like, the only reason she wasn't sent to a laundry is because of my granddad. Yeah. And the thing about it, it was like just fucking pure hypocr- hypocrisy. Yeah. My grandmother had given birth to my Auntie Mary in England because she got ma- pregnant outside of wedlock. And that happens, like and even that story that lady wrote from Oxford who was like, you know, my f- I had a baby and then my family were talking about other girls that yeah. got in trouble and she's like, I just had a fucking baby. What are you... Like, my mum was 15 when she got pregnant and my grandmother just called her like a slut and a yeah. whore. And That's how they were treated. We're like, you've brought this shame. And my grandfather was like, fuck is are you talking about like, like, like you she had we're a, in the exact same yeah, scenario what is this fucking like why are we talking about sending her away that's like a lot of families in my village my mum always tells me about people that are she's like oh shame on the family and then that the mother did the exact same thing yeah and like it's fucked I just I I know I always say this I have massive issues with the Catholic Church not Catholics I have a massive massive issue with the institution of the Catholic Church because when I say it has ruined and destroyed this country like we are fucked because of the Catholic Church the amount of generational trauma in this country mm. is insane like this is not 100 years ago my I was my mum was two months away from giving birth to me when she died yeah that's like my mum remembers this story yeah. 
Because it happened in Granard, like. Stuff like that doesn't happen in Longford. That's, mm. you know, and I, as I said, I'm not speaking ill of the Lovets in any capacity whatsoever. They went through a lot. There was a lot of grief, a lot of shit that happens. But teenage pregnancies just like, still to this day, and I get that teenage pregnancies, like, they're not ideal, right? But there's like this stigma around, and it's still around yeah, where it's like, like, that's your fault. Yep. Like... And it's always the girl. Yeah. It's never the little shit that yeah. got her pregnant. Like, always the you girl. You know what I mean? Like, like and how many of these women got pregnant and had babies? And who the fuck were the fathers? Yeah. Who were the fathers? Where were the... Like... Where are the... F- Kathleen, right. Where were the fallen men? Yeah, like, that's it. And it is it is that thing of, like, it hasn't gone away in Ireland. No. It's gotten much better. Do you know the thing as well in terms of, like, reproductive health? The Catholic Church just stopped it from happening yeah. for women. Literally. Like, just literally yeah. were like... Yeah, we don't care. And then what uh, you're dying? Yeah, what? What? We don't what? give a fuck. We don't care. And that's why, like, um, the birth. What your hit. husband's raping yeah. you? That's your marital that's duty. Your, you're meant to. Yeah, I never there forget for standing in a church with my grandfather uh, in fucking Thomas Street at St. Rita's Novena, and he's like, "Fucking old biddies in front of me, being <laughs> like, should you remember when your husband? Like, do you remember like when you'd be raped and your husband? Yeah. Like, you'd be told, well, that's just sure. Yeah, that's your that's your marital what? duty. That's your your mar your like like and that's what." Like, so people like people say oh the reason women had so many babies in Ireland because there was no contraception no that was part of the reason the other reason is that they were being raped and they were told under no circumstances that it were you to complain yeah and it was it was it was your duty to have sex with your husband like and that conversation needs to be had because people women pumping out 18 babies in the span of a lifetime is not normal no and I will say that as someone who has family members who have pumped out that many babies, mm. it's not fucking normal. Our bodies were destroyed. Our minds were destroyed. Our mental health was destroyed. Everything was destroyed in the name of God. Yeah. Fuck the Catholic Church. And I say that with my whole chest and I say that as someone who grew up Catholic. Fuck the Catholic Church. They can I think they house. had some good ideas. Listen, they tried their best. I like uh, <laughs> Jim anyway. told me a joke about Jesus. Who did? Jim. What did he say? Well, he told me a joke. He told me a story about how he was because Jim Catholic. Jim's Catholic. Yeah, that's super what the fuck? Is Jim Catholic. Jim's the bear shit in the woods. Jim's the most <laughs> Catholic man on the planet. Um, he told me that he was he was in his, like his school was a Dennis Al school, so brother school. Yeah, and he was outside. Now Jim is much older than me, so he was around in the time where like he got punished physically in school. Yeah. Oh God, he got beaten. Yeah, and he said he was standing outside a classroom and he was going like this so for anybody that can't see me he was putting his hands back and forth over each other and everybody was laughing and his teacher walked past and was like what's so funny press and uh, Jim was like (laughs) like I'm just telling a joke and he was like yeah what's the joke and he was like in that moment I knew I could have kept my mouth shut but I decided not to (laughs) and he was like so what's this and uh, the guy was like that teacher was like I don't know and he was like Jesus trying to catch a Malteser <laughs> so obviously the Malteser is falling through the holes in his hand oh my god and he said he got like fucking 10 of the best so he got like hit it's like yeah. you get like you get like on the thing yeah and he said that um he said he put his hand like he did it and he said I was just super like he was like I was is he like fuck you kind of thing it's the most toxic masculinity nonsense you've ever heard of and still is but he was like I put my hand out and the guy went down and then as he came back up cut them and he said he said I didn't even flinch he said then we got he said you get to 10 he said I stood there and I took all 10 of them and he said no I kept my hand out 
And the guy went to him, that's 10. And he went, oh, I didn't notice. Jesus. And I was like, what's wrong with you? Bit of a badass. That's though. abuse. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, no, like, he was getting shit kicked out of him. That's the other thing as well. Fucking nuns used to kick the shit. Beat the shit out of them. Like, my mum told me that in her school, in her primary school. My mum used to get beaten by the nuns yeah, in primary school. They would put the rich kids up the front of the class and put the poor kids at the back. So they put the, like, farmer's kids that had loads of money up the front and fucked the poor kids down the back. Like the shit my my mum told me about nuns. My mum hates nuns. My mum hates nuns. She hates them. I hate nuns. I don't like them. I don't I, like you. I never got. I don't. You're sneaky. I never <laughs> ever got beaten by nuns. I didn't grow up in that time. But like I went to an all Catholic prime secondary school, yeah. and the there was four nuns that like pretty much ran the school. When I say they fucking hated me, you tell me that, they yeah. hated me. Well, that's awful like, like that's awful they are in a position of power and you are a fucking child mm-hmm. it is not their job to hate you it's their job to teach you like would say like literally be like you will like I remember Sister Margarita being like you will amount to nothing and me being like I will prove you wrong she did yeah died of brain cancer oh, well, I mean. yeah um, wah, wah. Colin put in your sound effect here Colin wah, 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 his little sound effects box <laughs> he, was, he was here today and he had it in his hand and he was like we picked that up and I was like pick up what he's just over there he's trying to get me to lean over so he pressed the fire button oh good god yeah so he's I won't call him to play the spark sounds <laughs> um, that was a really terrible story and it's, it's made me very annoyed uh, horrible and I'm also going to do uh, soon um, about the um, laundries the Brussels house in Cork and stuff like that so I'm going to do that so that's probably going to be a two-parter because there's a lot of stuff um, so we'll all be very angry um, I just I don't know man I just are these real gold? No, they're not. From ASOS. ASOS best, baby. Um, yeah, but you did a very good job. Thanks. Do you want to hear something, uh, some nice yes, news? Yes, tell me. Tell me nice news. Uh, the local school has a little Ukrainian boy starting tomorrow. Oh. Uh, the first, like, of the children to arrive in what the school. I, I don't know my mum. I think, like, six or seven. Oh, God, that poor kid. Yeah. That's... Ugh. Yeah. Um, but there are people starting to arrive and get help and get safe and I know that doesn't make the entire situation in any way better the whole thing is a fucking Um, mess but you know what it's nice to hear kindness 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 kindness, Emma kindness and it's so funny because people are like go back to the Catholic Church for a second here now where people are like oh Irish people are so good because the Catholic Church no who said that they're always like oh the Irish people are so their morality is so good because the Catholic Church no motherfucker I give charity because I want to give charity not because I think Sky Daddy is going to take me in when I die like that's not uh, a thing it's probably the opposite so just FYI on that one I think our morality is probably so good because we had like hundreds of years of abuse of abuse and bullshit yes that's probably what it is and so we're like you know what we know what it's like to be the underdog and we know what it's like to have an entire institution just absolutely willfully like witly be opposed to our success in any yeah. way shape or form yeah. and or look out for us in so our mental health so our physical health because we want to be not because uh, some man with a collar decided also can everybody do me a favour and stop asking me when I'm going to have kids and Who why I don't have this? kids somebody at work the other day and really pissed me off and then she knew it had pissed me off and then she later apologised I'll tell you later um 
because I don't want fucking kids. And also it's better that I know I don't want fucking kids because there are so many people out here that thought they wanted them because they didn't think it through properly. And now they have them and they're miserable. So it's probably a good thing that I know I don't want them. I'm just really annoyed about this. I just was like, when she said it to me and she said it in such an incredulous way that I was like, fuck you. You have four of them and you're fucking miserable. Suck my dick. So just stop asking me why I don't have kids. Gonna call no, leave that. it in. Stop asking people. Stop no, saying it to stop women. Stop asking people, but to see the rest after that, where you just like. Oh, I was so mad. I was like, don't fucking ask me that question. I actually wanted to just turn and go, I can't have children. Like, every time someone asks me that, I want to say that. Because I think it's cruel towards people who actually can't have children. So it's a whole thing. Yeah, but it should make the like, person feel bad about what I'm they just said. Like she did, because she apologized later. We got given a thing at work today, and I said, I'm not doing it, and I'm not handing them out. Um, where they. Um, <laughs> like, End of story. <laughs> where they. Uh, we're like, we're going to give all the mothers Mother's Day cards to say thank you. And I was like, no, we're not. No, we're not. And uh, No, we're not. They were like, why? And I was like, because it's deeply insensitive to just people who cannot, cannot have, have children. children. Just don't do And that. deeply insensitive to people who maybe lost their mother this year yeah. or deeply insensitive to people who don't have a mother yeah. or deeply insensitive to everybody like we're not doing that no. that's not ha- not a thing and then one of the girls was like well, can I take all these cards home and I was like yes just take them like just take- what does mother say and Sunday oh grand okay that's grand I'll get that's you something that's why you're Kathleen. going to Kaboo I'll get you something Kathleen don't worry I'll get, I a, I'll get you a nice card with a nun on the front uh, Um. but yeah that's all the ranting it was a ranty, I knew it was going to be a ranty episode. Yeah, you really went for it. Uh, I always do the ranty episodes, but um, yeah, that's everything. I have nothing else. Um, I hope everybody's okay. The world is literally in hell. I need to stop reading uh, statements from people that are in the army in America because now I'm freaking myself out. So I'm going to stop doing that. Why, what did I do? <sighs> Do you want to end the episode before you tell me? Yeah. Um, everybody have also, I've been reading a book about Columbine and having dreams about being in school shootings, so I'm not reading I've been doing that. loads of like fun stuff. I listen Sarah's to, been having a great time. I li- I'm listening to Billy Connolly's newest book and it's Ooh. very, it's very lovely. And I, uh, I'm listening to Maintenance Phase and I'm having a great time. Uh, I went in the Mitch yesterday from work. Hey. Um, we're going to New York in like a month. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, we've can't less wait, than wait. oh yeah also work fucked up our contracts so now we have nine more days worth of annual leave yay um, also any Catholics don't come for me don't come for me because I grew up in that fucking church I'm trying to lighten the mood and I know the shit that happened do not come for me uh, come for me if you want I'll take you on <laughs> Sarah will physically yeah they won't catch me yeah, that's right the neck <laughs> um, yeah I've been having a lovely time Lily's not eating any food oh god that's you know I painted my house yellow oh my house pops. like sublim- subliminally I have painted my house the Ukrainian flag colours <laughs> Like, we need to show you this picture. Like, literally, when I I took this picture and I was like, like I I know I'm in solidarity with the people, but I don't know if I need to go this far. Oh, you are in solidarity. That's solidarity right there. It's beautiful. The yellow is gorgeous. Um, Now, in photographs, it is it is much brighter than it actually is. It's not that bright now. No. Um, it is not this bright at all. Oh, it's fab. I love it. Fucking electric. Um. But yeah, so we've been doing that. We've been having a great time. Yeah. It was St. Patrick's Day. Lily went to the parade. Paddy's Day. Um, I was in Edinburgh. No, was I in Edinburgh for Paddy's Day? I was in Glasgow. I can't remember. Anyway, wherever I was, Jesus Christ, the Irish took over. Did they? Fuck me. Pubs were jammed. Was it great? Well, I didn't go to pubs, so I don't know. 70,000 people of COVID. St. Paddy's Day. 70,000 people were. In Ireland, of COVID. No <laughs> way. Yes, yeah, so those cases. We're, every, life is great. 
Happy Christmas. We're all having a great time. Uh, see you next week, we think. Hold on. Don't know if there's going to be an episode next week. Why? Because I'm away from Sunday. So uh, I don't know. You might get one, you might not get one. Don't come for me. Can I have a week off? Sure you can. <laughs> I've got my period. Sarah has a period and I'm very angry all the time. Yeah. Um, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Just a phase. The mother's milk gone sour. It fermented with our father's gaze. I caught the bride's bouquet. Now I'm waiting in the chapel for a fresh coat of paint. They say, No, I'm not trying to be that bitch. I'm just up here trying to make a difference. Drinking for the nerve, but I'm all Made me matter for a minute For about an hour I was all up in it Now I'm locked down shivering the second hand shade And I hate on every choice that I ever made Ever made This life just isn't to my taste So I beat my face Tell myself it's just a dream, just a dream But I can't see what I've seen, what I've seen I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend But it's only a dream, it's only so I rest my case it's just a dream, just a dream, but I can't see what I've seen, what I've seen. I'm a killer, I'm a villain, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend, but it's only a dream. Yo, so and now I'll read mine. Yo, Super villain, origin story Cause not too long ago I was just a regular girl Too preoccupied with boys And spending all of my money On some C2 material Just to cover my body That's Then right. one night I had an accident That set me apart I was exposed to an element And it captured my heart Yeah, those ill-begotten daughters Of the glamorous game Yeah, they gave me a home And let me pick my new name So I took to the stage Just like a knife to an artery And I gave you my spirit And made this killer a part of me I'm no longer a I'm serving you mickly with the side of reality But I took it too far and let the parasites get to me Slamming shots at the bottom